Are you or a loved one battling addiction? Relevance Behavioral Health is here to help you. At Relevance, you'll get intense clinical care coupled with long-term relapse prevention. Call today, 732-702-2242 or go online at relevancerecovery.com. Hey guys, welcome to Speaking Recovery. I'm Bill Spadia here with my friend and co-host, Daniel Regan. Good to see you, Daniel. Good to see you, Bill. Thanks for having me again. So, well, I'll tell you, we, I think what we've started here is fantastic. I hope you're enjoying this and getting something out of this as well. We talked about all the years that I've been working with Daniel and the Regan family and CFC Loud and Clear, the people that they have helped recover and the families they've helped. We thought, why don't we put this together in a podcast and get into the detail. You know, I only have so much time on the radio broadcast where I've got maybe four or five minutes and then we tried to take some calls and we thought, you know what, this would be an extended format where you can interact with us and get the straight answers from Daniel. He's the expert. This is a man that not only recovered himself, but has successfully launched and run CFC Loud and Clear now into something that is huge, a new clinic in Monmouth County called Relevance Behavior health. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. So as we get started, Daniel, just explain what Relevance Behavioral Health is, the unique approach that you take to helping people beat addiction. Absolutely. So I started on this journey with, with my story and, you know, I found myself in the wheels of the addiction treatment center um, and just passed around to all these different centers and really got nothing out of it. And what I needed was very unique and uniform to my ideals as an individual. And that's what we really wanted to bring home. When, I came, when we came back, when I came back from treatment, we created CFC Loud and Clear to catch all those people leaving treatment and give them that right. individualized care. Uh, and what I've always dreamed to do is also give that in a clinical sense. And that's what we do at Relevance now, Behavioral Health. From, from CFC, from your perspective, you, you literally have a 95% success rate and that's going out over a couple of years. So yes. the whole idea was it's not about 28 days and then, hey, good luck, get out there. It's about sober living. It's about family support. So if you've got somebody who you know who's suffering from addiction, who's struggling with addiction, who maybe has already been to rehab two, three times, sometimes more than that, this is the place you want to go to get help. Now, today we thought we would uh, change the conversation and talk about needs and the root cause of addiction. You hear this all the time, right? How many politicians want to just paint with the brush of a couple of talking points, go to a candlelight vigil, maybe throw some money at it. Uh, in New Jersey, they set up a hotline. I mean, I, I tell people, I'm like, there is a better way. Uh, but let's, let's start at the beginning. We were talking off air about the hierarchy of needs. Uh, explain that. What does it mean? And Absolutely. So so one of the things that I wanted to do with this show is kind of bring some of the lessons that I teach over at CFC Loud and Clear and be able to give it to the masses. And I think it's important because these things start explaining answers, especially for families. Um, you know, why did my child end up in addiction? Yeah. They had all this great characteristics of sports, uh, you know, school. They've got all the success. They've exactly. got the girlfriend, the boyfriend. What, and what happened? And and usually a, a parent's or family's natural response to it is to blame themselves. They did something wrong, right? Um, and that's not the case. It's not the case. Um, so I use the hierarchy of needs as a teaching tool to kind of explain where addiction comes from. So where's the hierarchy come from? Who who came up with that? Can we see that? Absolutely. Um, 
So Maslow, uh, Abraham Maslow, okay, in 1943, he was obsessed with trying to figure out what motivated individuals. Why would individuals do these great and terrible things? You know, this mm-hmm. is right after World War II, uh, or right before World War II, um, right after World War One, and all these different things. He wanted to explain why is there uh, Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler? What, like, how does that? How mm-hmm. does someone become that right so he started doing all these case studies of trying to figure out what made a human motivated Uh, and he came up with this hierarchy of needs and essentially it's a pyramid right and on this pyramid the lower levels is uh physiological needs and then it goes to safety needs then it goes to love and belonging then it goes to esteem and then it goes to uh self-actualization so these physiological needs are exactly what they say, right? We, they're uh, food, water, those basic needs that you need in order to survive. If you don't have them, you're going to so, be motivated to get them. So part of what you found is that you know, people are filling a need right. with the addiction, whether it's alcohol, heroin, um, you know, cocaine, whatever they're using. Essentially what happens is that we have a natural progression as humans that we need to move up this chain of needs and you can't get to the next need without fulfilling the one below it so i can't i can't um i can't feel i'm not interested in a romantic relationship if i'm not eating and drinking right i'm more focused on i need to get some food in my stomach right right so the the way he set this up and the way he explains it is that you need to get to the next level and you have this desire as a as a human mm-hmm. it's our, our basic biological setup to want to progress right. right so what happens is is that individuals get stuck at a certain level um usually you find this at love and belonging or okay. esteem needs right and what happens is is these um need blocks are right. are essentially perspective right okay. so when you're an eight-year-old kid yeah. right love and belonging right, right. uh how, how easy is it to make a best friend right it's very easy easy i like the color red you like the color red you want to be my best friend bill <laughs> ah life should be that yeah, simple right, right? Exactly. so uh, it, and it is that simple for a little bit but right. as we grow we we make right. these prerequisites yeah. in our life right we need more to fulfill that need and sometimes it's irrational. Yeah. It's not really uh, possible to achieve that level, right? Or we might have some situations right. that are causing us that we can't even get the basic uh, needs met in that level. So people find a way and they get themselves in trouble. Well, what happens is, is you have an undying need to fulfill that need, right? Right. So you're uncomfortable. And that uncomfortability causes pain and it causes trauma. Right, and trauma is the root of all addiction, mm-hmm. and that trauma it, uh, affects you greatly to the point where you need to find a comfy blanket. Got it. Now we all find a comfy blanket, and we are all we all experience this at some point in our lives, right? And we're going up and down this hierarchy of needs because one day we might have it, and then we get in an argument with our spouse, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, love and belonging is at jeopardy again, right? So we're always kind of going up and down this chain, and, and these situations of life affect us. We find different comfy blankets, right? It. it might be chocolate, jelly beans, right. shopping. Uh, it might be just 
isolating yourself in your house for a couple of weeks, whatever it might be, some people find substances. Got it. Right? And, and that's where we find that we synthetically fulfill this need. So when someone is dealing with, say, love and belonging, mm-hmm. right, and, and they find heroin, heroin creates a sense of well-being for them. It creates mm-hmm. a sense of belonging to them. For me, drugs were a sense of belonging. It gave me a, um, if I felt like it fulfilled my need to make friends. Did you know you were in it when you were in it? Were, uh, you, were you conscious of it that I, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, this could be harming me, but man, it feels good. No, no, you, you really don't. I, I think you get blinded by it mm-hmm. and it's because you feel good and you feel satisfied and you naturally already create irrational rationalizations to continue on and then when it when it when it gets really heavy yes you realize what's going on but now you're physiologically uh, done so you need help let's um let's see we've got some questions coming up Uh, kurt lang has a question isn't more a weakness uh kurt to be honest i'm not sure what your question means so maybe you can write another comment and explain that more but let's go to wayne wilson Uh, why will a methadone clinic accept medicaid while refusing private insurance and he also said uh, methadone patients must travel to a clinic every single day while suboxone patients receive a prescription for a month of medication is that something you can i mean i I don't i don't even know where to begin on that but it seems to me that people are frustrated that the system itself uh is not catering to the actual needs that people have (laughs) yes um this is the red tape of the system um it is extremely difficult to open up a methadone center, and there's a lot of regulations around methadone. Um, a lot of it has to do with the substance itself, because uh, while Suboxone is, it has an opioid antagonist attached to it, um, which means that it's an opioid. You can, you're getting an opioid in your system, but it blocks opiates from entering those receptors, okay. while uh, methadone is just a straight opiate. Does that work? I mean, in your opinion, I mean, you've gone from a recovery group, uh, a nonprofit recovery group that works on support and family support and sober living to now an actual behavioral health clinic. Um, do, do things like this work? You hear about methadone, you hear about Suboxone. I'm ignorant to it. I don't know what they're even supposed to do. Do those things work? Because we hear time and again that they don't, that people, you know, these methadone clinics that you're really just supplanting one drug for the next and you're not actually solving the problem. Uh, I I don't. It, it's a harm reduction model, and I think, okay. and we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we started the show. And you know, we have to look at it as not everybody is ready to to go down an abstinence based track, right? And what the what we have done is kind of created a way for them to sustain a relatively safe. Uh, way to continue a, a, a usage of something so they're not having those urges and cravings mm-hmm. and, and keeping them safe so that there's less uh, probability that they're going to overdose and that, that they could be productive. They're not you know, uh, running out to a drug dealer every day and those kind of things. Um, do I think methadone and Suboxone are the greatest MAT uh, medications to use? No, I don't. I, I think methadone is definitely an antiquated mm-hmm. uh, uh, medically assisted treatment. Uh, Suboxone is definitely a newer. Um, uh, ob- obviously, you could see that just with the opiate antagonists attached to it, stuff like little tablets. Things have changed about it that made it a better medication. And I think 10 years from now, there there's going to be even better ones. So 
Daniel, let me ask you, you know, looking at the people that are tuning in right now and watching this and people that will then hear this podcast uh, when we drop it on uh, on our site, uh, it'll be available uh, not only on Google Play and iTunes, but you can go to nj1015.com slash Bill Spadia. Find out all you need to know about Reve- Relevance Behavioral Health. Uh, listen to our conversation. You can go back and hear the first episode. Now, this is the second. We're going to keep this going as long as this is a crisis in New Jersey. And it is three times the national average when it comes to overdose deaths. Uh, so for the folks that are, are tuning in right now, whether live or on the podcast, what do you say when you get a call from a mom says, I, I need help. I've got a 22 year old son addicted, you know, stealing out of my purse and, you know, gone sometimes days on end, comes back and, and in and out of reality. What, what's the first thing that you do? And what do you want to say for those moms that are listening right now? Well, first, I, I would tell you to find a, a support system for yourself. Um, I usually tell those parents to come in and talk with me in person, um, and we have a family session to really figure out what dynamic is going on and how we can help their son. Um, it's important for us to really come together and band together and create healthy boundaries for our family so that we're able to positively push them into a, 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 the right pathway, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and we need the whole family on board. So that's how we start that that process uh, to eventually get to an intervention level. Now, you and I have talked about this. Um, this, you know, we've got uh, Joshua uh, Poppy has a question about it's not a disease; it's a choice. And you and I have talked about this. Like, there's been a trend in at least in popular culture to say it's a disease, not a choice. And then others will say uh, whether you accept that premise or not, there's still there are choices that lead up to getting into this situation. And unlike cancer, let's say mm-hmm. you can choose following a path to get your yourself back out of it Mm -hmm. but how do you address like that question is it black and white one side or the other or is there something in the middle between you know your addiction being a disease at the Mm -hmm. same time you having the power you can think your way through this and get out of it Mm -hmm. uh my my opinion individually is that addiction is not a disease um i i if i had to describe it in medical terms it is a medical issue there's no doubt about that there there is a psycho psychological issue and um we're talking about that with the hierarchy needs right right it's trauma-based and and whether you're eating too much chocolate, going shopping that with money you don't have, gambling, right. whatever it is, there's a psychological trauma that has happened that needs to be fixed mm-hmm. in order to relieve this. So, But as a disease, no, I don't, I, I don't believe it's a disease. If I had to put a medical term to it, I, I call it an infection, right? We get this wound, right, okay. that's caused by a tra- traumatic event, right, and we decide to ignore it. And instead, we just go, oh, that's not there, and we right. distract ourselves with whatever behavior or substance we decide to use and that becomes infected and it becomes infected and becomes infected and it festers right and that causes us to use more because we're in pain from this wound that's festering now it's my job as a treatment center to go hey you got a big wound on your arm and it's festering let's take care of that do you see it yeah okay let's take care of it and then we get you in and we start cleaning that out how many people that that come to you see the wound do they get it? Do you, and do you find a lot of people they do. That, that they come in and they're, are they looking to place blame? Is that a part of it? Do we start blaming? That, all that's kinds a defense. Of first? I mean, that goes for anybody. Right. Like, like uh, That goes for anybody. Uh, you know, whether you're a politician or uh, yeah. walking, walking down the street, we try. Right. We all have the defense. Easy to blame so, somebody else. Yeah. Right. And yeah. when you're in so much pain, I mean, if you're 
in pain, you're not feeling well, are you a good person to hang around that day? Right. No, probably, no, not, probably not, right? You're probably yeah, short probably and snappy and everything. Well, that's that's what you're dealing I've with. had moods sometimes <laughs> even on the radio where people are like, God, I wish he didn't show up at work today. <laughs> right. right, exactly. So at first, yeah, they go through the defense mechanisms, but then they go, yeah, I realize, you know, I had this giant wound on my arm. I need to do something about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what the whole intervention process is about. And then where CFC picks up, it, now we have a cleaned out wound from treatment, right? Now, CFC is all about maintaining that wound so it can fully heal. How, uh, how much would you say that this culture we have, because it seems so much worse now than it's ever been, and it's, it seems to be only getting worse, yet you've got all the politicians paying attention. We've got a candlelight vigil, it seems, that happens every single week in every town across mm -hmm. the country, uh, but it's getting worse. How much do you think coping skills at a very young age would help like we have this and i'm not trying to oversimplify the everybody wins and everybody gets a trophy but like you've got kids that are taught not to understand how to lose and suffer when they're five six seven eight years old and i can't help but think that that translates once you hit your 20s and you're like oh my god the real world is really hard there's a lot and again i'm going to go back to a hierarchy of needs now that love and belonging that esteem needs when you're not really achieving anything how can you build esteem can we when, put that back up uh, when when you're not finding the love and belonging because if you don't get 500 likes on a, on a, one of your pictures on Instagram, right. how are you ever going to fulfill love and belonging, right? right. I never right. belong, right? And I feel like this is where our society has really been interrupted. And we all want to get to that self-actualization, which means you fulfill the esteem, social, safety, physiological right. needs, and you go, hey – I've learned all these awesome lessons and I made it here, okay? Mm -hmm. Now let me put this all together and actualize it into something else. So when we look at this, psych uh, physiological needs, safety needs, social needs, esteem needs, self-actualization, how many people get there? Is this something that it's like, you know, high school football players that uh, make the NFL? Or is it, no, most of us can actually get there and get there comfortably and it's we're just not focused on it. Uh, that I mean, we usually yeah. get uh, distracted. We get distracted by the curveballs of life, and um, we end up trying to fulfill another need. Um, the self-actualization—it's not a static thing that we achieve. It's something that we constantly have to work on, mm -hmm. and we can constantly work on. We might have moments of greatness. I'm sure you—you've you've felt those moments of greatness, like wow. I achieved my dream or right. what my goal that I set out to do right. and then goals change and you had something right. else to achieve, right? Um, and then we have this, um, we, he actually built a whole nother level to it that's transcendence that you realize that achieving mm -hmm. and everything, it's actually utterly meaningless. <laughs> it, it, I don't actually need anything right. except for basic So that's needs. the actualization. You're like, yeah. okay. And then I, you start I serving really others. All that stuff. And then, so Loretta Caselli uh, actually had a great comment. Uh, she wanted to thank you for the analogy addiction as an infection and not a disease. I, that's a brilliant way to put it. I, I, I agree with, with uh, Loretta's comment on that. But Loretta Caselli's asking, uh, how do you help a niece or nephew when family ties have been totally broken? I mean, that's a great point, right? So you're, mm -hmm. you're you're not really close to your sister or your brother. They've got a family. You know the kid needs help. How, how do you even start that? Um, sometimes it takes a uh, leap of faith. Uh, and what I mean by that is sometimes you just have to put all those differences to a side and walk right in, even even with the, the knowing that it, it might cause an adverse reaction by, by you know, the, the family issues that are going on. But, the, you know, showing that, 
you love unconditionally is, is very how, strong. How aggressive, Daniel, have you, in your experience, seen that people need to get? You know, I've talked to, with your mom, Lynn, about this. Like, sometimes you got to change the locks. I mean, that's something that is horrific to most people. Like, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, this is the, you know, it's like you're chasing that love. You love your kids so much it hurts, and mm -hmm. it hurts to see them hurt. Where is that line cross? Well, the fact is, is that parents will love their kids to death. Um, and, and I mean that by they, they'll, if we make it easy for them to continue with a lifestyle that's not um, conducive and positive, right, to, to moving forward, uh, essentially we're just loving our kids to death. So, I mean, it gets to extremes that we have to uh, put, put uh, if they're completely resistant and they don't want to move forward or they're not accepting help, most oftentimes, the mm -hmm. reason why they don't accept it is because they think they have a plan B. And the plan B is always like mm -hmm. manipulating mom into letting me back in the house tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Aunt Joe or whoever it is, they think that they have a plan B or family member usually that they can manipulate to so, get. So, to Loretta's point, um, you know, a niece or nephew, what would you recommend her first call be? I mean, does she call the mom and dad? Does she talk to the, the addicted kid directly or call you guys? Um, I, I, I would say... Uh I would say call us. Call us, and, and then we can kind of listen to a, the whole entire picture, get the big picture of what's going on, and then I'd be able to better give you advice on, on which mm -hmm. route we should take. So what's the phone number? So, uh, Loretta, we're going to give you a phone number right now that you can call. It's 732-702-2242. So I'm going to also put that on the link. So this will be posted to uh, nj1015.com slash Spadia later today. We'll write a quick thing. I'm going to take some of your comments into consideration as we roll this out. And, you know, and we want to hear from you. And you can actually, there's a form that will be at the end of the post where if you need help or you need uh, us to get in touch with you or Daniel and his team to get in touch, there's a way for you to submit your information. And, of course, no one's going to see that but Daniel and his team. So, obviously, I know a lot of you are, are hesitant to put your comments up because I'm looking at your name with, uh, with regard to Facebook. But, look, it is what it is you can as far as we're concerned this is about getting people the help that they need and breaking through the uh, the stigma of addiction breaking through the silence of addiction breaking through the misinformation of addiction there's so much misinformation out there and there are people who have not only struggled and suffered, but in Daniel's case, survived and won. And I'll t I told the story last time. I'll just tell it quickly. When I first met Daniel and his mom, Lynn, and they came on the radio, and I, I was in that old mindset of what you hear with Alcoholics Anonymous, that it's a day-by-day -day thing. We're counting the days, and it's a day-by-day -day fight. And they both looked at me like I was crazy, and you guys got annoyed. Like, no, no, no. Um, you can win, and people need to understand that you can win. And unfortunately, in our culture today, there isn't that message. That message has not gotten out that you can actually beat this thing. Yeah, and I think that's a huge problem in our society. We always focus on the negative rather than the positive, and we're, we're looking to change that. And we have been successfully, I think, putting out a message of hope yeah, for absolutely. five years now. Five years? So. Five years. Yeah, wow. Something like that. It's amazing, right? right? Half a decade. Yeah, it, it's a lot. It's, well, time goes fast, and, and I'm not getting any younger. And the reality is that, that uh, we can good. solve this. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. That's why we work together well. Um, all right, so Jerry Hook has a question. Uh, how do you know if you're dealing with a patient broker versus an advocate who really cares? 
It's an interesting thought, kind of commenting on the profitability that's mm -hmm. in these clinics, et cetera. But sure. it's a good point. What, what's, a, what's a great sign of someone who legitimately cares about solving the problem versus somebody that is just racking up the dollars and, and churning and burning people in and out of rehab? Um, it, do your due diligence uh, as a family. Um, really look into the different treatment centers. Uh, a recovery advocate shouldn't have a bias towards a treatment center. They should be giving you ah, options okay. and doing more of a clinical assessment, assessing um, you know your loved one or your, you as an individual what ideals you have and what treatment program would really fit you. Mm -hmm. um, if they're biased to, hey, this is the greatest place and yeah. it cures everybody, that, that's a falsified right. statement. So I and you have to do your own due diligence, um, and, and that's what I would suggest. Let's talk about a quick. Somebody brought up uh, sober living, right? So let's talk about sober living. How how does that message get across? And how is is what's the most difficult part of the journey? Is it breaking the addiction? Is it keeping away from the addiction? Is it finding the replacement, which you can put into a positive thing? Some people find faith. Some people find other activities. Some people find uh, you know marriage and kids. What what's where's the hardest part are they all hard uh, uh well you, you got a you got a bunch of different mountains to climb for sure um i what i'd say to really sum it up is one percent of the problem is getting off the drugs 99 percent of the problem is expanding your window of tolerance as an individual right expanding that that ability to really cope with, with life on life terms um it, for whatever reason your window of tolerance has disappeared yeah. so we're working on that expansion how long have you been out of that mess? How long have you been sober and focused? How yeah, long How many uh, I, coming up uh, um, nine and a half years. Nine and a half yeah. years, right? A yeah. decade. It's yeah. it's possible to win. It's possible to beat it. It's a, there's a lot of different levels, but you definitely have to be focused and you've got to want the help. And if you're a family member that has someone who's struggling with addiction, these are the folks you want to call. You want to get in touch with Daniel Regan. You want to get in touch with Relevance Behavioral Health. Uh, the, uh, the website is healingus.org, healingus.org. And the phone number again, Daniel? 732-702. Two two four two. I'll put that in the post today. I want to thank my friend and co-host Daniel Regan, uh, not just for joining me on this podcast. We will be back every first Wednesday of the month here live on Facebook. You can always download and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. All the information is there and on nj1015.com slash Bill Spadia. There'll be a post about this later on today. It's going to be up for the month until we get to the next one. And there's a form there. If you need help, fill that form out. We're going to get that information directly to Daniel and his team. So thanks, all of you, for joining us. Thank you for all your questions. We appreciate it. Good luck. God bless. We're praying for you. And remember, action is what gets a solution. You have to act. You can't just sit back and wait for something to happen. Go and make something happen. This is your best resource, healingus.org. Thanks. thanks. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Subscribe to the new Speaking Recovery podcast available at nj1015.com slash Bill Spadia, Google Play, and iTunes. Hosted by me and my friend Daniel Regan from Healing Us Centers. Are you or a loved one battling addiction? Relevance Behavioral Health is here to help. At Relevance, you'll get intense clinical care coupled with long-term relapse prevention. Relevance is the only local care facility focused on recovery and long-term sober living. Call today, 732-702-2242, or visit them online at Relevance recovery.com.